0: Hello again. It is good to be in Genesis. Thank you, Tim. I've got the uh, the, the throat thing going on, so... If I pause for a drink, that's why. Uh, well, we're, we're in Genesis. We're coming toward the end of, of our little series here in Genesis. Um, and I, I hope you've sort of noticed, as we've been going through so far, this first book of the Bible uh, plays a huge part in shaping our worldview. Um, you know, what is, what is a worldview? Uh, well, a worldview is... Is it just the way that you see the world, right? It's your, it's your beliefs about the way things are and why they are that way. Uh, and, and those beliefs give you that framework for how you sort of live and interact and do things in the world. So uh, a worldview is very uh, important uh, and we all have one. Everyone has a worldview. And so there's actually, there's, there's four basic questions to kind of think about, well, you know, what is my worldview or, uh, you know, and you have to answer these questions to form your, a, a worldview for yourself. Uh, so everyone's worldview can answer these questions. Who am I? Uh, which is not just, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm a human, yes, but, but how do I know that I am a human? So who am I? And, and where am I? Not just physically, but in time as well. So, you know, past, what happened in the past? What's going to happen in the future? Also, we must be able to answer, what's the problem? So why is the world the way it is today? Uh, what causes the problems? And also, what's the solution? So what's going to fix the problems of the world? And so answering those questions can give you your worldview. And look, Genesis really has great answers for Christians, or the beginnings of answers for Christians in here, in many ways. Uh, So Genesis has told us that, uh, for who am I? Well, we are humans created by God in his image, male and female. And what about where am I? Well, we live in a universe Created by God on this planet. And what about what's the problem? Well, we've seen that human sin uh, that has ruined creation, uh, but worse than that, the judgment of God upon our sin that leads to death. That's our problem. But what does Genesis say about the solution? What does Genesis say about the solution? How is the world going to be restored? How will humanity be made right with God? How is sin and judgment? going to be dealt with. So over the next few weeks, uh, as we look at this last little bit of Genesis, uh, we are going to see God's solutions to these problems. But before we get there, uh, we're going to see today an attempted solution, not by God, but by man. Okay, that's what we see in the Tower of Babel. On the surface, this story, if you've heard it before, doesn't look that bad really, does it? Um, because we've got, what do we got? People working together, united, common purpose. Uh, People harnessing this technology to build a city and to build a tower. Everything looks pretty good at this stage. But then what happens is God comes down and breaks up the party. And you've really got to ask the question, why does he do that? Like it seems like humanity is doing pretty well here. Why does God stop it? You know, I think people today, as they're answering their worldview questions, they think that the solution to our problems is exactly what we see today in this story people working together. Right? If we could just work together, share our resources, all speak the same language. Right? Humanity's collective wisdom and skill, if we could harness all that, we could solve all the world's problems. Right? There'd be no more war there would be no more famine there'll be no more sickness there'll be no more climate crisis if we could just work together right so so what is so bad about the tower of babel with humanity working together right why is why is this not the solution to our problems so if you've got your bibles genesis chapter 11 9 verses will be there most of the time <clears throat> great to have it open here's a little outline for us that we're going to go through Uh, and you can see it up there. So first, let's look at uh, the proud solution of man. We'll just go back a slide. Thank you. Okay, so first we see the proud solution of man. So uh, this is happening after the flood that we heard about last week. After the flood, God blesses Noah and his sons. He commands them to be fruitful and to fill the earth And so that's what they do. They spread out and they grow. That's what chapter 10 is about in Genesis. But at some point along the way, they stop spreading and they settle. That's what we read about in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Have a look. It says there, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And it was here that humanity settled and they united in this common purpose so verse three they said to each other come let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly they use brick instead of stone and tar for mortar so people here working together this is not like your classic you know council workers on the side of the road where there's one guy digging the hole and there's like five guys standing around watching okay this is this is different this is the group effort everyone's involved here And they're not only doing the work themselves, but they're urging other people to come and do it. You can see what they say there. They say, they said to each other, come, let's go, let's do it. There's this great unity and urgency and and really an intensity to this work. And what are they doing in verse 4? Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Right, why do they want to build a tower and a city? Verse four: so that we may make a name for ourselves; otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So that's what's driving them to do this work. They don't want to be scattered over the earth, but they want to they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be strong and secure and well known. Right, they, don't just, they don't want to be sort of just extras on the film set of history. They want to be the main attraction. They want to be the stars, and so here's their solution to, to the to the problems they've got. Let's build a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, right? If they do that, people will go, "Man, have you have you heard about those people at Shinar? Have you seen that great city and, and that tower? Man, they are they are a great and awesome people." Now, can you see what's wrong with, with man's solutions here to our problems? Hopefully you can. Um, it, it's sinful pride that is motivating this building project. Right? You can see there it's a self-sufficient attitude. It's a self-glorifying purpose. Right? It's, this story has, has just has no mention of God, no thought of God, absolutely no regard for God. It's as if he's not even there. It's let's do this by ourselves for ourselves. Right? And that is that is what pride is, that is what pride does to humanity, sinful pride. It turns us from God to ourselves and, and it makes us want to lift ourselves up into the place of God so that so that we are like God. But we don't need God, we can do it ourselves. This is man's solution to our problems. Put ourselves in the place of God. Solve our own problems. That's that's where pride takes us. Anytime I think about pride, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis because I think it really nails it. Uh, He says, a proud man is always looking down on things and people and of course as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And so next we see in the story, God puts man in their place. So the God who is above them comes down. Have a look at verse 5. It says there, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Now that's funny, okay? Right? That's, that's meant to be funny. Not kind of like laugh out loud kind of funny, but it, it's kind of ironic and sarcastic. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the first dad joke in the Bible, Okay, Genesis, the book of the beginnings, here is the very first dad joke. It's to make a point, right? It's to make a point. God who is in the heavens, people building a tower to heavens, and what does God say? Oh, you're building a tower? Let me come down and see this tower you're building to heaven. Let me come take a look at it. You see, and the point is that, that God laughs at human pride. Right? When man tries to lift himself up in the place of God, God just laughs at that because man's power is so puny compared to his. Right? Their tower is so small, it's just like this little, little Lego tower they've built, and, he, and you just come and take a look at it. Right? God, is, God is so much greater and so much higher than humanity that for them to try and do this in this proud way is just it's not funny in the end. So then verse 6, God comes down to take a look And he sees the problem. Verse 6, the Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So it's a strange verse. Like, what's he saying here? Well, I I think to, to put it in other words, he's saying, you know, if as one people they have conspired, you know, in their pride to oppose me in this way, If that's what they've done as one people, then if they keep going this way in their pride, it's going to get greater and stronger and more kind of dead in that way. And there's going to be more evil spreading across the earth. So if they keep going this way, it's going to be bad for humanity. Because remember, what is in the heart of man? What has Genesis told us is in the heart of man? Well, there's there's nothing good. Genesis 8.21 tells us every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. The world is in big trouble if God just allows humanity to go on unchecked in this way. It's a problem. So God does something about it. So verse 7, God does something about it. God says, Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So God comes down, confuses the language. And that's why it's called Babel. Because the Hebrew word Babel kind of sounds like the word for confused. And so there's that kind of word play going on. That's why it's called Babel. God confused their language. And they're confused because they can't understand each other that not speak in the same language. Uh, And so they stop the building process and then they scatter as God intended that they would. So that's the Babel story. And, you know, some people think, oh, it's just a story about how we got nations and languages and that kind of stuff. And it it is that, but it's more than that. It's showing us, again, the judgment of God upon human pride. And, And it's showing us how foolish... Man is to think that, that we can put ourselves in the place of God and that God is going to oppose that all the time. Now, pride is, it, pride is not a good thing, uh, but somehow it, it seems to have become a bit of a virtue in our culture. Uh, we talk about pride as, as, as a good thing. Um, I'm, not ta- I'm not talking about the kind of pride we might say, I'm, I'm proud of my grandkids. Like, that's okay. Like, you can be proud of your grandkids and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we're talking about the the kind of self-focused, uh, self-reliant, self-glorifying heart, right? that, that is a great sin. Because that is, actually, uh, that is actually treason against the king. That is an attack on God's throne. Right? So God's response to pride is to oppose it and, and to put man in their place. And right, the Tower of Babel actually stands as this kind of monument to human pride in history, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, they set out to build this tower to make a name for themselves, and ironically, they did make a name for themselves. But the name was this half-finished tower, right? Nowhere near heaven, just a pile of rubble. That's human pride. If you want a picture of human pride, look at the half-finished Tower of Babel. And so it's clear from this story, humanity is not the solution to humanity's problems. Right? So if we're not the solution, if we can't do it, then what is the answer? What is the solution? Well, now we come to then uh, the promised solution of God. Uh, so, so where should they have looked? They should have looked to God. Uh, the God who is above them, the God who made them, the God who rules over them. That's where humanity ought to be looking for solutions. Now, in this story, uh, did you notice the pattern of sin and judgment and grace? You probably, you probably saw it. So sin, obviously, was man's pride. That was the sin. The judgment was God confusing the language and, and scattering them. But where's the grace? Is there grace in this story? Well, I, there's, there's lots of grace, but I see two kinds I want to point out. The first one is there is a restraining grace. A restraining grace. So the fact that God would not allow man to go on in their sinful pride in this way is an act of grace. Right? As bad as the world is and as bad as mankind is, things would be much worse if God did not restrain us in his grace. If God did not limit the things that we would do if God did not hold us back and hem us in in our sin. That's an act of grace that the world is not much worse than it is today. And then the second kind of grace that I'm seeing in this passage, uh, I I couldn't find a name for it in like the theology books. It's probably there. I just couldn't find it. But I call it providential grace. Providential grace. And what I mean by that is uh, the kind of grace where God is, is working for our good before we know it. God does things in our lives that are good for us, but we don't know it until later. And that's the kind of thing that's happening here. Judgment doesn't look good for humanity. Looks like a pretty bad thing. But what we see God doing as the story goes on is that God is setting the stage for the call of Abraham. And, And Abraham is the beginning of God's final solution to humanity's problems. You see, next week we'll see God makes a promise to Abraham. Uh, He says, actually, it's really interesting, he says he's going to make a name for Abraham. He's going to make a name for him. And he's going to bless the whole world through him. This is the beginning of God's final solution to humanity's problems. It begins through Abraham, but it's going to be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so come with me now to Acts chapter 2. We're jumping a long way forward in the Bible, in the story. But here we see the reversal of Babel, right? The reversal of Babel in Acts chapter 2. Have a read here. So this is, sorry, context. After Jesus has finished his work and ascended, sends the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. This is what we read. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, where they heard this sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So you see that reversal there? It's not a scattering of people, but it is a gathering of people as people are coming together, uh, being united here in one place. And there's not confusion, right? But it's each one hearing their own language. Right, so it's actually there's understanding now amongst the people. It's that reversal. Now, now, what did this mean? That's a question that the people actually ask in that time. What, what does this mean? Well, it's, it's Jesus declaring through the apostles that God's final solution is here. Right? That Jesus Christ is the risen King of the universe and that all nations, all tribes, all languages uh, can come to him and be united in him and be saved. This is is humanity united as they should be, not in sinful pride and opposition to God, uh, but but under God in the Lord Jesus Christ with the one spirit. This is people from all nations united in him now and forever. So I should be reminding you about our our church series we did. This This is the church now united in Christ, but also forever in the new creation. Well, have a look at the, I guess, the final and ultimate reversal of Babel that we see in Revelation when all nations are gathered around the throne. Have a read of this. So John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So the the end of time, the, the glory that awaits, the hope we have, is people united the way that God intended, as one, and as something we look forward to. And so as we come back to our answers to the worldview questions, what is the solution to our problems? Well, it's very clear, Babel makes it clear, man is not the solution. Humanity working together, harnessing technology, wisdom, whatever, skill, will not be the answer. Even if we could do that somehow, right? The the only answer is is God. God is the only solution, and wonderfully, He's already done that through Christ for our world. And so, as we as we reflect upon this story and what we've been talking about today, I think Babel really is able to teach us about our place in the world, humanity's place in the world. Right, because we live in the same world that they lived in. It's God's world. Uh, we are people like they are. We have problems like they did. Uh, we are we are proud. Right, that is part of our sinful nature. Uh, so we are like them in many ways. And, and even after we have been united with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and are being renewed by his spirit, pride is something that we'll still struggle with. Okay, pride is kind of like a... It's like a balloon that you try and push under the water... And you sort of let go or move a bit, it just pops back up again. Right? Pride is, is just one of those things that we have to keep uh, fighting against in our lives as Christians. Right? We still want to turn from God, do things our own way. Uh, we still want to look to ourselves for the answer instead of looking to God. Right? If you're someone who sort of you know doesn't think you're proud, here's a bit of a pride test. Okay, this might this might hurt a little bit. Um, how much do we pray when we are planning and working through the day, through the week, through the months? How much do we pray? Right? If, if prayer shows our trust and dependence and hope in God, what does it say about us when we do not pray to him? Who are we depending on? Who are we trusting in? Who are we hoping in to do the things that we want to do? Right? Our, our prayers or our little prayer shows that we are a proud people. So, so we must be people that admit that we are proud. And the solution to, to pride, when we come, we confess it to God, but the remedy is to humble ourselves before God. Right? And that is actually the proper place for a human to be. Uh, this is where we belong. We belong humble under God. Right? There's nothing more foolish for a human to do than to be proud. It is just the worst thing you could do. Uh, James, Because James says this in verse, uh, James 4, 6. This is all through the Bible, but James says it here. He says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. So if God is going to oppose the proud, who would want to be proud? It seems to be the most foolish thing you could do. It's like putting your hand up to jump in the ring with Mike Tyson saying, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a go. It is just so foolish to be proud before God because God opposes the proud. Instead, what, what should we want to be doing? We should want to be humble because God shows favour to the humble. And so three verses later, James encourages people. He says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Right, so, so how do we humble ourselves? Well, it's, it's got to do with the Lord uh, humbling yourself means uh, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, it means it means coming to Him as Savior uh, and, and serving Him. Uh, it means acknowledging Him as as the Holy Creator, the Sovereign Ruler, who is worthy of all praise. Uh, that is how we humble ourselves before Him. Kind of like you'd come to a if you're coming to a great King into His throne room, you'd you'd come in humble and bow before Him. That's how we come to God through Jesus. And as we do that, we think about ourselves and we humble ourselves. We remember we're creatures created by God under his authority. We are totally dependent upon God for life, for every breath, for everything that we have. We are totally dependent upon him for salvation, for his mercy and grace through Christ. We are totally dependent on him for everything that is coming in the future. So we set our hope upon him not just for a thousand years' time, but for, you know, 10 seconds' time. Right? Being humble before God is the proper place for a human to be. Right, Not proudly rising up against God, seeking our own solutions, doing things our way in our strength, uh, but coming humbly before him, right? trusting in his promises to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, depending on him totally, hoping in him fully, and and always seeking to do that, going lower and lower in humility until he comes back. And when he comes back, he will lift us up. Uh, We will be with him in glory. God is the only solution to our problems, so let's humble ourselves and trust in him as his people. Let's pray for that right now. I'll lead us in prayer, and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you expose our pride. Uh, And Lord, we we confess that and we are sorry for that. Uh, But Lord, we are so thankful uh, that Christ has died for our sin and given us new life. And Lord, in him that we are being taught humility. Uh, We're being taught our proper place under you, uh, trusting in you, depending upon you, relying upon you, and being so thankful for that. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in that humility. Uh, Lord, help us to keep looking to you. Help us to know our proper place in the world. Uh, Lord, help us to live as your people, uh, dependent upon you, and looking forward to that day when you will lift us up and we'll be with you in glory. Father, I pray that you would do this work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit and for the glory of your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.